Sink into deep thoughts and cushions. This is Philosopha Talk, and I am your host, CJ. Today, we're doing something special. It's going to be the first in a line of many episodes where I don't have a guest, and I sit here and I talk to you about personal philosophies. Before we really get into that, though, I'd first like to thank everybody who's returning to listen to me ramble, and for everybody who's tuning in for the first time to hear me ramble. Uh, This podcast so far has been a lot of fun, and I've gotten to talk to a lot of interesting people about a lot of interesting topics, and I I hope on some level it's making an impact on those of you who are giving us the time to hear us out, hear our stories, hear about our experiences and personal philosophies, and I'm hoping you're taking things out of that and things that you're able to apply to your life and how you're living. So, like I said, this is going to be the first in a line of episodes that I do completely by myself, and being that our topic is Aristotle's philosophy of living well, I thought I'd talk about what I think it means to be happy and obtaining happiness as an overall. The thing is, a lot of people out here that's what they're looking for. They they want to go through their day and they just they want to be happy. They want to live their lives and enjoy it. They don't want to live in misery and depression and anxiety and unfortunately for a lot of us that's where life seems to be taking us. Myself included. Um it's portrayed in a lot of media. Uh you know our our singers, songwriters, book writers, movie producers, show producers. And I, I, I hate to lump them in with this, but the people who do like affirmations, you know, a lot of a lot of this stuff is just people who are telling you what they think it means to be happy. And then a lot of them are telling you that what you need is to be happy and Maybe that's true to a point, but not necessarily 100% the case. So in our next episode, uh, we sit down uh, with a rabbi, and it kind of gets brought up a little bit a part of the way through, and I really hope you guys pay attention because that conversation was extravagantly fantastic, and it made a lot of impact even to me. But... There's this idea where we should be happy all the time and never have to deal with the opposite end of that spectrum. And in a sort of fantastical sense, I guess that makes a point, but it's not reality. Realistically, we're going to experience things that we don't enjoy, things that make us sad, things that depress us, things that frustrate us or stress us out. Um, there's this line of thought in Buddhism 
where part of obtaining enlightenment is learning how to suffer. And in suffering, you learn to be content. And the Stoics also believe that personal suffering will also help teach people contentment and and gratitude for the things that they do have. That doesn't mean like you're going out and self-flagellating or giving all of your money away and not being able to eat and things like that. The Buddhists want you to learn how to take things in stride, accept things as they are and how they come and learn to deal with it and get through the stuff that's difficult. The Stoics are sort of the same. The Stoics think that you should accept things as they are, you should accept them as they come, and be content with things as they are, as you cannot change them. They also believe that only through suffering can you learn to be gratuitous towards the things that you do have. The Stoics also teach that you should inflict mild sufferings onto yourself. Now, if you peruse a lot of YouTube channels and things like that, you'll see that they're encouraging like taking cold showers, maybe not eating something that you would consider delicious, leaving flavorings out of your food. I mean, shoot, if it's raining out, instead of wearing your boots, wear sneakers and let your socks get wet. Little things like that that inconvenience your day and maybe aren't as good as they could be. And then learning to accept that in stride without feeling overly emotional about that situation as a whole. I'm not 100% sure if I completely subscribe to that idea. But I do like the idea of learning how to deal with the negative side of life in a stoic manner where instead of getting upset and angry and depressed, learning how to take those things, accepting them, finding solutions and getting forward and learning how to deal with it. That doesn't mean you're not ever going to feel those emotions. Um, Something that I do subscribe from the stoic teaching is that feeling your emotions is important. Allowing yourself to feel, to logically interpret, understand, and accept your emotions is important. However, it's also equally as important, maybe more so, to not allow those emotions to get the best of you. I do subscribe to that heavily. That's not to say I don't lose my temper, and there's not to say that I don't wake up in the morning sometimes, you know especially in the colder months of the year, feeling depressed and things like that. I'm, I'm no expert by any means, but I do think it's important to work towards separating from your ego and learning how to objectively observe your own emotional states, figure out why you feel the things you feel, how you got to that emotional state, and 
learning to control it. Allow yourself to feel it, but learn to control it. Now, that being said, we can kind of come back to, you know, like what is happiness and why is it so important that, you know, it seems to be the sole objective, especially nowadays with our current generation. Um, you can go back into previous episodes of Mystery Stone, and we do have an episode where we sat down and talked about what it meant to be happy with Isaiah Frizzell of the Bird Brain Podcast. I know it's not the first time I've brought him up, but I look up to his teachings and his way of thinking quite a bit as an individual throughout my day, and I have a lot of respect for him. And it was great to have him on that episode, and I'm actually hoping to be able to get him onto this podcast at some point. I have to reach out and, and see if he'd be interested, and he's very busy right now. Uh, but if you get a chance, go back and listen to that episode of Mystery Stone, and then kind of compare it to this one. You'll be able to see sort of how my personal evolution of thought progressed over time. And then definitely if... If you have the chance, go go take a look at the uh, the Bird Brain podcast. As you know, it, it's a top it's a top five for me. And that being said, you know, at this point in my life, I don't think that happiness in itself is an obtainable goal. Now, I don't mean that to say I don't mean to say that being happy is impossible. I mean, that happiness in itself is an unobtainable goal. I think that the chase for happiness is unending, and it's why people never seem to get it. It's not possible to chase happiness by itself. And if we look at how people chase happiness it sort of makes sense as to why happiness by itself isn't something that we can achieve. You know, how do, how do people go about attempting to be happy? What are they trying to obtain and, and what are they trying to get to and what are their goals and what are these things that make them, or at least what they perceive will make them happy? Material possessions being a huge thing, and that includes like money. Now, don't get me wrong, chasing better paychecks isn't a bad thing, but if you're chasing it solely because you think that more money will make you happy, it's really, it's really not going to. Obtaining a Rolex watch and the fancy colognes, the fancy clothes, and the high-end cars, and the big house... These are all nice things. These things will bring you comforts. But by themselves, it's not how we end up feeling happy. We have momentary doses of dopamine that come from these things. But these things fade. If we take a look at something like buying a new car, it's exciting. You got something brand new. It's great. And then over a couple weeks to a couple months, the novelty fades. And instead of it being my new car, now it's just my car. 
Same thing with houses, same thing with possessions. You go, you got the PS5. Oh man, I got the PS5. I got the PS5. A couple of weeks, a couple of months down the line, you're just playing Call of Duty. You're not even talking about the fact that you're on a PS5. It becomes the norm. That dopamine hit has worn off. You have comforts in using these objects, but that that initial hit fades and you start chasing something else. <clears throat> we also search for a lot of happiness in external sources and through other people in the forms of like relationships, love, sexual desires. And believe me, these are all wonderful things to have. We wouldn't be human if we didn't enjoy those things. But thinking that you're going to find happiness through another person or even a group of people or whatever it is you're doing, it's just not, it's not realistic. People, people can bring you moments of joy. You can get serotonin, dopamine. You can have really good times with other people. People can add to the things that bring you happiness. They can bring you contentment. They can bring you comfort. They can bring you excitement, joy, all sorts of things. But other people can't really be like a source. Like it's not what can make you happy. And I think that there's a lot of people nowadays who really believe that they can find happiness vicariously through other people or the things that either, you know, that people are doing for them or even in the case of them doing other people. Uh, maybe in a later episode, we'll get somebody on and we'll start talking love languages because love languages extends further than romantic relationships. But this also comes into play where you're a lot of people think, uh, you know, if your love language is acts of service, doing things for other people makes you happy. And in, in a way, sure, it can help. Uh, absolutely. Doing doing nice things for other people definitely can help make you happy, but it I don't think it's making people happy for the reasons they believe it's making them happy. And we're, we're going to get to that in a few minutes here. I just want to get through this list, though, of, of the things that people chase. Um, a lot of times uh, people will try to obtain happiness through like work achievements and accomplishments. You know, we all know that person who basically lives at their job and every promotion they get, every bonus they earn, every compliment, award, certificate, achievement, it's all about that next level for them. And the what's the word? It's like a workaholic would be a sort of a term we apply to that. And they think that by progressing and moving forward and doing their job better every day, We'll we'll get them. I mean, we talked about money earlier. Uh, it kind of goes hand in hand with that. But they really do think that moving through those things like that is like the key. And and don't get me wrong. You know, I know you. Since I talked about money, you're probably sitting here like, man, you know how many of my problems would clear up if I had that kind of money? Yeah, they would. Uh, you know, I, I think I've seen it on Facebook a few times where people are like, I got 99 problems and money would fix about 98 of them. That's true. I'm I'm not even going to try to to tell you that money isn't going to be a big factor in obtaining some comfort. Um 
getting to a financial situation where you can obtain freedom, like true financial freedom, would definitely be like a piece to the puzzle. But it's not the point I'm trying to make is it's not the be all end all of it. It's not going to be the only thing that you get that truly makes you happy. You know, and the problem with wealth is you know, it's numbers. Numbers don't end. So no matter how much you have, you know, how much is enough? If we look at, you know, the guy who starts out working at Burger King, you know, maybe at the cash register and they're making minimum wage. They're living at that pay scale like paying their bills and getting by based on that pay scale. Maybe they need some government assistance at that point. And then they throw themselves into their work and they start getting these promotions and they start doing the, the work and putting in the time and the experience. And we're talking 25 years later and they own their own high end restaurant and they're raking in the money. Well, they're also no longer living at the same level they were when they were a cashier at Burger King, right? They've got a fancier car, a bigger house, a more lavish lifestyle. Maybe they're going on vacations. They're dressing in better clothing. They have nicer shoes. The point I'm trying to make is when when you get up there and you start making that kind of money, like the more money you make, you start living at what your paycheck allows you to live at. Now, I'm not going to say that's the case for absolutely everybody, but let's be real. For the most part, that's the case for a lot of people, you know, and I can't say that I blame them. It's definitely nice to be making enough money that you can afford to have some nice things for yourself, to be able to afford to live better than you were five years ago, to be able to look back and be like, man, in my early 20s, you know, I remember I had to choose between paying the electric bill and buying food that week. You know, I'm like, look at me now. Like, that's a nice thing to look back on. But the next pay scale, it just goes higher and higher. It's a number and numbers are infinite. There's, there is no end to that chase. So you really have to sit down and ask yourself, when, how much is enough? How much money do I need to make in order to be happy? And the honest to God truth is, it's different for a lot of people. A lot of people can make no money. Some people are homeless and they're perfectly content with their lives. Some people are billionaires and are absolutely miserable. It, it's different for everybody and, and it's all subjective to experience. So you really have to look at that. And if you're one of those people who just, it's the next, uh, it's the next job, it's the next position, it's the next promotion. You know, like, where do I want to be? How do I get there? And what is enough? And that's a hard question for a lot of us. And, you know, I'm no exception to the rule right now. Even I'm in school, you know, looking at the next position, the next, the next pay scale, the next, how can I do better financially? You know, so even though I'm sitting here talking in this microphone telling you about these things, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm not doing them myself. And it just means that 
this is some of it that I really think about where it's like, okay, I'm going to potentially make this much money. Is that enough to make me happy with my financial situation? Not life as a whole, but my financial situation. Where do I need to be to look at my financial situation and be like, I'm good. I'm not worried about stuff and I'm good. And that's, that's a hard question for a lot of us to answer, especially with like today's music and stuff. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put, I'm going to keep it pushing though. Um, we'll go further into this in a later episode. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm bringing up right now will be its own episode in this line of solo episode series, uh, where we really deep dive into each individual topic and talk about what I think, uh, the answer is when it comes to these things. The the next part is like we kind of went over it a little bit, but entertainment. A lot of people think that endless entertainment is, is their their answer. They got to have that like PS Five, the new video games. They got to be on the game all the time. Maybe they're going to movies, concerts, festivals, uh, even something like hiking and you know going for walks and exercise, like. Whatever you find to be entertaining to you as an individual, there are people out there that think the only way to be happy is to obtain endless forms of that entertainment. Again, it's just another piece to the puzzle, and you can do too much of it. We're going to get dopamine hits. I mean, I guess in some cases you could get serotonin hits, but... For the most part, it's just like anything else, and, and too much isn't isn't good, and it'll lose its luster, it'll lose you'll lose enjoyment, you'll get bored. So again, is endless entertainment something that is really obtainable? And I guess what I'm referring to is sort of like the Epicurean line of thought, where they felt that pursuing pleasure was the ultimate goal, pursuit, the pursuit of endless pleasure and um, trying to avoid pain at all costs was like their main philosophy. And I'm sure that to a point, and if you really deep dive into Epicurean thought, it can make more sense rather than this very broad spectrum way that I'm kind of putting it towards you now. And again, maybe that's something we could talk about in a future episode because Epicurean philosophy is certainly interesting and classical philosophy as a whole is interesting and it's something we should all be looking into the way these people thought. This I know this podcast is modern philosophy. Uh, another a, a good source for classical philosophy would be this podcast called Philosophize This. I listen to that quite a bit and honestly... Uh, a lot of good stuff comes out of there. And they do have a couple of episodes on Epicurean thought that uh, would be beneficial to anybody who really is interested in getting like a baseline foundational knowledge on that if they are interested in, in possibly deep diving the subject. The last part is something that is less prevalent with the current generation and more so hyper-prevalent in previous generations, uh, religion. 
And I know a lot of us nowadays, like religion is still like a big deal, but it is in a decline. And a lot of us are moving towards a more spiritual path rather than a specifically religious one. But there are still plenty of people out there who seek the ultimate happiness through religion. You know, there's this idea with a lot of faith where at the end of life is where we'll achieve our true happiness, where we have like Christianity with the concept of heaven and, you know, pagan. Th- uh, there are pagan thoughts with like the Elysian fields. I think that one's Egyptian. Don't quote me. I'm not 100% sure. And, you know, uh, the Viking thought of Valhalla. You know, it's sort of like at the end of our days is is our opportunity to really become happy. And it's based on how we live our lives and the ethics and values and morals we abide by while we breathe. People can get so into and in-depth into religion that it becomes their identity to a point where they're not themselves. They are a blank whatever faith they follow i do think that religion is important i do think that aligning with what makes sense to you uh especially when it comes to belief in a deity is important and it's another aspect of being happy that a lot of us tend to ignore and rebel against nowadays and there's this big movement for people to try to peel away from believing in a god as a whole and I'm not going to get into the conspiratorial side of things with this but there there's a lot of reasons to believe in god and I've heard some pretty valid or valid arguments to not believe in God. Either way, um, it's something that I really feel people should take a very careful look at and figure out what makes sense, but don't allow it to rule your life. Now we're 26 minutes in and I've kind of gone over like how people chase happiness and like the things that I've seen. And I haven't really gone into like what I consider the attainment of the obtainment of happiness to be. And I think that happiness is not obtained through the overindulgence of the things I've already talked about, but is obtained through peace. I think that happiness in itself is not, it's not possible to obtain happiness as happiness is, whereas if you are able to find peace, happiness is a byproduct of that. And I know there's a lot of people raising an eyebrow right now, like, what is this guy talking about? Being able to be content with yourself, being able to be content with your relationships, being able to breathe comfortably with everything around you and with your life as it is will bring you peace. And once you're able to obtain that sort of peace with your life, happiness will find you. 
Now, I do think that, you know, there's two different ways of obtaining peace. We need both of these. But the first one is tantamount. Like, it's imperative that we find inner peace before we can find outer peace. And what do I mean by finding inner peace, I guess, is the question here. And really what I think is, is that in order to find inner peace, we have to do a few things. We have to self-actualize. We actually have a fantastic episode on Mystery Zone, on Mystery Stone, about self-actualization. I really recommend going and listening to that. Finding self-love. You know, learning how to set and keep boundaries with other people. A big, big, big thing with me, and we kind of talked about it in the beginning of the episode, is the concept of the separation of the ego. Um, A lot of people chase something called ego death. I personally don't think that ego death is a possibility, but I do think being able to separate from your ego and objectively look at your emotions and understand them before arbitrarily reacting to them, uh, impulsively reacting to them, is is important. And learning that sort of self-control is like tier one most important of obtaining inner peace. Learning how to control yourself will affect almost everything around you. You know, uh, learning how to tune in with nature. And I know that sounds like super, like, hippie and postmodern and this, that, and the other thing, but it's, it's a scientific fact that getting out on, on like, a week-long camping trip is enough to reset your circadian rhythm. That alone is a sign that being out in nature and taking it in and being a part of that is good for the body and it's good for the mind and it's good for your soul. Being around constant city life and the hubbub and the constant mental and physical traffic all day long, every day, you know, it builds up that cortisol in your system and it stresses you out and getting back into nature, even, even if it's just for like a hike, you know, and I said like earlier, like people like use hiking as a form of entertainment and this, that we're not like when I was talking about chasing happiness through those things, I wasn't talking about the activities specifically. It was more like the overindulgence of those, but doing things like going out and getting into a hike or going fishing, going camping, you know, just maybe even just going in your backyard and planting a garden, but enjoying nature and its foundational beauty is an amazing way to really center yourself, breathe, calm down, let things go. Uh, Learning how to do grounding Again, we have a fantastic episode on Mystery Stone about grounding, so uh, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, but getting out there and just really getting your feet down in the dirt and, and leveling yourself out is is really going to put you in a place where 
you're able to let go of a lot of energies you wouldn't be able to let go otherwise. Uh, meditational, almost. And, and speaking of meditational, also wonderful for obtaining inner peace. Uh, we definitely are going to have to go into that more in depth. Uh, we do have an episode on Mystery Stone about that, but it's more of an esoteric uh, concept rather than just a flat-out meditation. So I think I might do a separate episode on this show uh, about meditation and maybe I'll even be able to get lucky enough to find like a professional instructor to kind of come talk about it a little bit with us. Uh, let me know uh, if that's something you guys would like to hear about. You know, um, honorable living is important, you know, ethical living and that sounds like oh well you know never tell a lie everybody lies we're human beings we do it instinctually it's something that's going to happen am i encouraging you to do it no but forgive yourself when you do and be ready to own up to it when you get caught um people will say like oh if you lie to me once i'll never trust you everybody lies even if it's stupid stuff you know like I don't know, an over-exaggeration of something simple that you saw just because you wanted to sensationalize a story a little bit. It, it's a lie nonetheless, but it's not that serious. And I don't think that not trusting a person because they told a bit of an exorbitant tale is really fair to the individual. But again, it's, it's up to you and, and where you hold things and the standards. But understand, like, Whatever standards you set for other people, you really have to set for yourself first. So if you're not prepared to hold yourself to your own standards, then you can't really pressure other people to, to be held to those. Self-accountability is going to be more important at the end of the day than holding other people accountable for their actions. When it, not when it comes to societal living, but as the individual. Uh, if, if you're picking up what I'm putting down there. The other thing that I think we really need to work on better as individuals is the willingness and the acceptance of seeking help for our mental situations. If you're feeling depressed, anxious, any of the hundreds and thousands of mental situations people go through every day, Knowing when to say, I need someone to talk to, I need help, I need something, is going to be so important. And it's so liberating. And I really, really encourage anybody out there going through anything, just find someone to talk to, you know, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, whatever you think is going to be the best step for you, start somewhere. Confide in a friend. Um... I don't use your friends as mental dumps. Like don't just unload all your garbage on a single person all the time. You know, you're going to weigh them down and it's not really fair to that person for you to constantly give them everything negative going on in your head. But if you do have somebody in your life that you can talk to who maybe understands, can relate, can empathize, you know, talk to them a little bit, you know, Definitely, definitely, definitely 
look for professional mental health help when we need it. And that's something that even this day and age with the pull, I'm definitely not the only person out here encouraging people to do that, but there's still a stigma attached to it. It's sort of, especially with the male community, it's like, it's almost unmanly to ask for help. And, you know, it's like, oh, well, oh, I don't have control of my emotions. I'm not a man. Whatever, dude. Like, get help. Like, don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, once we kind of get these things under control and we can start to love ourselves and be content with ourselves and look in the mirror and not hate what we see and we're really starting to feel that just in your core, you're just like, you know, I'm good. My situation is good. I'm making moves to, to make my situation better. I'm comfortable in terms with who I am. I'm really making the efforts to work on me and I'm doing the right things. And you start really, you'll, you'll find this, this liberation, this emotional and mental freedom start coming to you naturally. And you just really feel at peace with yourself. And this is going to be a journey. Like you don't even worry. You're not going to like wake up like, all right, time to get to it. You drink a protein shake. And by the end of the week, you've obtained inner peace. Now this is something people work on for years and it's never too late to start. But it is something that needs to be worked on every day. And it's a never ending journey, but you can become content with yourself. Am I a hundred percent content with myself? Have I achieved ultimate inner peace? Well, no, because then I would be considered enlightened, right? Or at least most of the way to enlightenment where you understand like all the outer workings and this, that, however you define it. But I'm not as an individual completely at inner peace with myself, but it's something I've been working on for years now and it gets better every day and it sucks at first, but working on that, it does get better. And finally, something I want to talk about and something that we will have a full episode about is, is a concept called shadow work. Now, a lot of us are hearing that term and, you know, there's an esoteric, con uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, sort of an esoteric interpretation where a lot of people are like, oh, shadow work, that's for like magic and da 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 da. And like, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of people who practice uh, things like witchcraft and various forms of magic do encourage uh, shadow work, but that's because you have to, in order to do those things and those practices, those rituals and ceremonies, you have to obtain a certain center and a certain lightness and, and become one with yourself. Right now, I'm speaking more on shadow work in a, the sort of way that Carl Jung kind of talked about it, where it's not necessarily your evils and your dark side, but it's like the stuff that you don't like about yourself and coming to terms with that. You know, some of the things you may not like, your, like about yourself may not be bad you know, socially bad. It's just something you don't like. But coming to terms with that and looking at yourself and being like, okay, is it something you have to accept? Like if you're sitting there like, you know, I, 
I did some really crappy things to people. You know, should you be okay with the fact that you did crappy things to people? Well, no. But you need to accept it, forgive yourself, learn your lessons, move forward, and if necessary, make amends. This isn't something that is easy to do. Uh, I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you're doing shadow work and you don't end up crying at some point, you're doing it wrong. It's also very, very intense. It can cause incredible amounts of depression and anxiety and stress. And learning from somebody how to do shadow work who has gone through the process already is going to be paramount to doing it in a healthy manner where you're able to come to terms with your shadow self and really incorporate that into who you are, understand yourself better, and figure out how to be a better person. All of that being said, we kind of go into like what I think like outer peace comes from. You know, one of the big things that you're going to see externally and, and, and really be content with externally is, you know, putting your best efforts into everything you do, whether it's something you enjoy or not. If you've deemed it necessary to do, do it the best you can. Maybe the best you can do is only a little bit one day and maybe it's a lot the next day and maybe it's a lot this day and a little bit the next day, but always do the best you can. And while you're doing that, be aware of other people around you. People are going to be around you no matter what you're doing, unless you're living some hermit lifestyle, at which case you probably aren't going to hear this podcast. And I don't really know how to relate to that. But chances are you're going to come across many people throughout your daily life. And being aware of them in their physical space and, you know, kind of trying to judge their mental space and just not necessarily making assumptions, but just kind of trying to be aware of them as individuals will really help you, you know, with the environment you're in. Um, Understanding that a lot of times that People don't necessarily do things, and I think this is the case a lot. Like, I don't think most people go out of their ways to do things that make you upset. People are just out here doing things, trying to be happy. And sometimes they end up stepping on your toes while they're doing that. And it's not intentional, but it happens. And that's sort of what I mean about being aware of other people. While you're out here trying to obtain your inner peace and your outer peace and consequentially your own happiness, just be aware of people around you and and take them into consideration while you're doing it. That being said, be in control of how you respond to people. You know, we all lose our tempers. We all get upset. We all cry. We all get angry. I am by no means a saint. But doing the best you can to really get control over how you respond to the things other people do 
it's only going to affect your inner peace, but it's also going to affect the way people are around you. Part of your outer peace is like when you enter into a room, you don't want the energy to get tense. And a lot of times, if you're the type of person people perceive like, oh, you know, their fuse is half an inch long and burn it on both ends. The minute you walk into a room, people are like, oh man, they're going to start walking on eggshells. They're going to get tense. That energy is going to come off them. It's going to make you tense. That sort of thing is, is disruptive to the environment. It's disruptive to your outer peace. You know, now that being said, when it comes to how you respond to other people, you know, if somebody does something that makes you angry, you know, part of a healthy response is learning how to forgive. And I'm going to come back again to something that Isaiah taught me, uh, is that forgiveness doesn't mean access. And it's something he really goes in on on a lot of his episodes, and I really encourage you guys to go listen to that show uh, again, it's the Bird Brain podcast, but that was a very key lesson I took away from him was that forgiveness doesn't mean access. So sometimes you need to forgive people, but you also need to set that boundary of you no longer have access to me. I I understand that the things you're doing aren't necessarily have the objective of hurting me, but I can't allow you the opportunities to hurt me anymore because it seems to be something you're consistently doing and you're not really making changes to that. So I'm no longer going to give you access to me as an individual. I don't hate you. I don't wish bad things for you. I want you to eat. But understand, it's not going to be at my table. And set, that is a boundary that we need, to, as an individuals, need to learn how to set with people. And there's stigmas to that, too. Again, it's just a topic. I mean, I really got to get Isaiah to come on this show. But I, I would love to talk about this with him. But even family members... You know, sometimes you got to cut them off because you just can't deal with that toxicity in your life and it's damaging to your peace. And that's hard. It's not always easy, especially with, you know, society today. Oh, blood is blood. You know, that's your mom. That's your dad. You have to forgive. No, you don't. No, you don't. Like, forgive them, but move on. Forgive them, but don't let them come around. Forgive them, but, you know... If they're a terrible person or they're just not doing the things they need to do and, you know, they're not bringing light into your life, all they bring is shadow, time to let them go. Let them go and live their lives. You know, move forward with your own. You know. The other thing is, and this is really the last part that I really want to talk about on this episode is be kind, but don't be weak. And what I mean by that is always be willing to be nice. Always 
try to help. Always offer yourself where you can, but don't let people take advantage of that. You know, there's a big quote, uh, you see it in a lot of movies, shows, books, all kinds of entertainment, but they'll say, don't take my kindness for weakness. Meaning, I'm a nice person, and I'm happy to be around you. We can have a good time together. I'm happy to help you with stuff. I'm a good friend to have, but don't understand that that means I'm going to allow you to walk on me. Don't ever let people walk on you. Because when it becomes an understanding that you're the type of person that can get used as a floor mat, that's just the environment you're going to put yourself in. Your, your outer peace will be affected by that in such a dramatic way. You'll enter a room and everyone just assume like you're their lackey, you're their servant, your butler, their maid, whatever. And they'll take advantage of that. Probably not maliciously, but that's just sort of the, the pretense you end up setting up for yourself by being too nice, being too willing to do things. You know, if you're willing to do things for other people, you know, there should be a certain res, uh, reciprocation involved with that. Not necessarily, I'm not telling you, hey, do things with the idea that people are going to do things for you, but if you find yourself doing something for another person all the time, you really need to take a look at, well, do they do anything for me ever? And if the answer is no, well, then you're putting 100% of your effort into you know, your relationship with that person, and they're not reciprocating that on any level. And that's a problem. Like don't ever don't ever let people walk on you. You know, be kind, but don't be weak. You know, as we move forward, uh going through various episodes of this, we're going to deep dive into a lot of these topics individually, but that was just sort of like an overview of the things that I think personally are the keys to being happy. Uh TLDR, well, I mean, I guess you got this far through. Uh, don't chase happiness. Start chasing peace. And I think once you start figuring out how to find peace, you won't have to chase happiness because it'll find you. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, feel free to reach out at philosophatalk at gmail.com. I'm thinking about putting up a website soon, so that could be in the future. It might be a way to contact us through that. If you have time, drop us a five-star on whatever you're listening to us on. Give us a review. Reviews are like the best way uh, to get us put in front of more people so that you know they're able to see this content and maybe maybe help them in a positive manner. That being said, thank you so much for listening. I look forward to our future episodes. After this, we start our Abrahamic block and, you know, live well.